we prepare to hear from God. You come to hear a word from the Lord this morning? Amen. He has a word for us. So, Hashem, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us, God. And we want to have ears to hear what you would speak to us, God. And we want to uh, learn to live your uh, word out in our lives. So we ask you to give us strength and courage and to, to walk forward in the principles of your word. In Yeshua's name, amen. I also want to say thank you to Evan, who just slipped out for leading worship uh, in Rabbi Michael's absence and for the team rallying behind him. Appreciate that. So today's uh, message is entitled, How to Encourage One Another. Uh, we're continuing to look at the first century Kehillah through the book of Acts this summer. And as we go from chapter to chapter, again, we are not going to be a cover, able to cover every chapter. And even when we look at the different chapters, we don't cover every verse in the chapter because there's just so much that we can glean from as we read through this book. And today we're going to look at one verse, actually, in chapter 13 to begin our message. And I just want to give us the context of what is happening here and encourage you to read the chapter during the week and, as we said throughout the series, to be reading through the book of Acts in general. Uh, but Rav Shaul and Barnabas are being sent out to proclaim the Bisarat to Jewish people and to Gentiles alike. And in verse 14 of uh, chapter 13, we read that they've come to a new city. And as is their habit, they go to the synagogue on Shabbat. And this is what happens as they're at the synagogue. Uh, follow along as I read from verse 15. After the reading from the Torah and from the prophets, the synagogue leaders sent them a message. Brothers, if you have a word of encouragement for the people, speak. And so I believe God wants to help us to learn how to be an encouragement to one another and to receive encouragement. So let's look at what we can learn from this verse and what follows as we read through the rest of this chapter. First thing is that people are looking for encouragement. Think about it. We live in a world where there is so much discouraging news, negativity, and criticism around us. And so people are in need of some positive input into their lives. And the leaders of this uh, synagogue were looking for a word of encouragement, not just for themselves, but for the people. So they looked to Rav Shaul and Barnabas, uh, obviously recognizing the anointing and the Spirit of God upon them, and says, if you have a word for us, please speak it, because we need to hear I was reading a story about a, a man who was getting ready to make a, a, an around-the-world voyage in his homemade boy, boat. And so as he's getting ready to take off, without exception, everyone on the pier was very pessimistic. Everyone was telling him everything that could possibly go wrong. The sun is going to broil you. You won't have enough food. The boat won't withstand the storms. You'll never make it. So there was one man standing nearby who was listening to all of these discouraging words, and he decided instead to offer some words of encouragement. So as the little boat began to pull away from the shore, he went to the end of the pier and began shouting loudly, Bon voyage, you're really something. We're with you. We're proud of you. You can do this. Think about it. What a difference in the things he shared with this man as this man attempted to to accomplish something versus what everyone else was saying around him. And we want to be those who have words of encouragement for one another. A, a three-year study found that most school teachers were 75% negative and critical in dealing with their students. And the study went on to say, and we all know this about the positive and negative, that it takes four positive comments to offset the effect of one negative or critical comment. 
Now, we made it five. We used to say to um, uh, uh, the youth group uh, years ago when we were leading, if there was a, they said anything negative, that they had to then give five positive comments to counter set, uh, offset that negative comment. So we need to understand that, again, we have to be those who seek to encourage one another. In contrast to that, that story, I was reading another story about a man who wanted to take a boat trip, and this uh, is a true story. In 1965, a man named, uh, what was his name, Robert Manry, uh, decided to uh, take a boat trip across the Atlantic from uh, Massachusetts to England. His boat was 13 uh, and a half feet long. It was called the Tinkerbell, and he actually wrote a book about it. I don't know if it's still in print. And, but it would have been, the, at that point, the smallest boat ever to make the trip. So um, he uh, had been a copy editor at a newspaper in Ohio, and this was a secret dream of his, so he decided to take off and to do this. But he, he was afraid, not of the ocean, but of what people would say. So he didn't share with them his dream. He only told a very few of his friends and family because he thought that people would try to talk him out of the trip. And so one of his greatest supporters was his wife, Virginia, and she encouraged him and supported him. So he goes on this trip. As you can imagine, uh, you know, I don't know if you like boats or not, uh, but uh, it's easy to get seasick. And on a 13-foot boat across the Atlantic Ocean, I can't imagine that. Again, uh, uh, I'm going to see if our library has this book to read this, but the trip was anything but pleasant. He had a lot of sleepless nights, uh, uh, and he had to uh, watch as he crossed the shipping lanes that he didn't get run over by these larger boats. Uh, often he was thrown out of the, the boat, and the only thing that saved him is the fact that he had tied a rope around his waist so that he could climb back into the boat. So as he's getting close to England, uh, he is, it's 78 days it took him to cross the sea, so he's beginning to think about what he's going to do when he gets to England. So it's like, I'm going to check into a hotel and eat a good dinner, and then I'm going to go to the Associated Press and see if they'd like to hear my story. Well, to his surprise, as he began to uh, come in to the uh, shores of England, there were these boats that came to escort him. And there were like 40,000 people who gathered uh, there on the pier to welcome him. And his wife was standing right there. She, as his greatest encourager, had shared his story with others. And here they were to welcome him and to receive him and encourage him in what he had done. So think about that. There's such a sharp contrast to the first story where everyone's telling the guy, you're going to sink, you're not going to make it. To hear his wife believed in him, encouraged him, and welcomed him as he uh, completed the, the goal and the dream that he had. We need to understand the reality is life brings many challenges our way. The enemy, as we heard last week, is always pressing against us. There are pressures from work. There's pressures from our responsibilities. The state of the world around us can bring us great con uh, concern. In the midst of all these things, it is good to hear a word of encouragement. Listen to Rav Shaul's words at a time when he was in need of encouragement. He's writing to the Kehilah, the congregation in Corinth, and he says to them, For indeed, when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. 
On the contrary, we faced all kinds of troubles, altercations without, apprehensions within. In other words, he was feeling a lot of pressure. You know, uh, he was beaten and uh, by the uh, people who sought to persecute him often. He tells us at other places how he uh, daily carried the weight of the congregation upon him. So there's this in, inner thing that he's facing. But he says, but God who encourages the down, uh, downhearted encouraged us with the arrival of Titus. However, it was not only his arrival which encouraged, encouraged us, but also how encouraged he was about you as he told us how you longed to see me, how distressed you are over my situation, and how zealous you are in my defense. This even made me happier. You see, Adonai saw Rav Shaul and his companions were in need of being encouraged. So he sent Titus, and not only Titus, but Titus represented a whole group of people who had heard about what was happening to Rav Shaul, and they wanted him to express their encouragement to him, to say, we're with you, Rav Shaul, we're praying and we're supporting you. And, you know, think about it. There's not one person here in this room who is not in need of a little encouragement, if not now, Tomorrow, trust me, you'll need it. So as I said, the leaders of this synagogue wanted an encouraging word, not just for themselves, but also for the people who were attending. One article said this about encouragement. To encourage means to give support in order to inspire with hope, courage, or confidence. The, the word encourage or encouragement is, is found over 20 times in the New Covenant. And it's translated often as to be courageous, to be strong. And uh, so how can we define encouragement biblically speaking? The author of this article said we might define encouragement as follows. Encouragement is finding or helping others to find the courage by God's grace and strength to run the race he has laid out before us, no matter how difficult or painful the course. Amen? That's a good definition. We are all in this race together. We are trying to finish the race well, right? We all want to hear, uh, as my daughter was saying this in prayer Thursday night, we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful service, servant. So as we're in this course and running this race, to have others to come alongside, to support and to encourage us is a very important thing. The second thing that I thought of as I was reading this passage here is that encouragement refreshes and builds other people up. From the examples we have already heard, we can see how easy it is to hear discouraging words. How many of you have been told you'll never make it? Uh, you're not good enough. Uh, things will never happen for you. And if not from real people, uh, then certainly the enemy will speak these things into to your, your mind. And it's hard to be encouraged if all one hears is negative words. So Ephesians 4.29 encourages us about how we need to speak to one another. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Say helpful. Helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So God is telling us that we need to be the source of words that build people up. There are already plenty of voices tearing people down. So God says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. In other words, things that are negative, things that are going to discourage people, things that are going to tear them apart, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that critical spirit that would you know, come against uh, other people. But instead, he says, make sure that your words 
are going to build the person up. So that makes me reflect that sometimes we need to maybe take a step back before we speak and think, what effect are my words going to have on the person that I'm speaking to? Will my words build them up? Will my words encourage them? Will my words be that I'm coming alongside them to support them, to say, job well done, you can do this, keep going forward? Well, that's what God is encouraging us here through Ephesians. One writer said, without encouragement, life would soon feel pointless and burdensome. Without encouragement, we can be overwhelmed by the very real pains of our lives. Without encouragement, we feel unloved. Without encouragement, we begin to think that God is a liar or is unconcerned with our welfare. So the Bible tells us to encourage one another, to remind each other of the truth that God loves us, that God equips us, that we are treasured, that our struggles are worth it. And it's very, very important. As I read through that article, I was thinking about it. It's so true. When, when you have that sense of, uh, of hopelessness, despair, and discouraged, the enemy will really prey upon that. And it can make you to think that, that God isn't for you and that God's word is not true for you and, and that, you know, what God said is never going to happen for you and, and all the lies that he will, will speak to us. And so it is really important to have encouragement and over and over again, not just there in Ephesians, but there are many other examples and uh, words for us to encourage each other. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Here, Rav Shaul says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you, as you are doing. Remember, Rav Shaul wrote most of the New Covenant, and most of the things he wrote were letters to different congregations. And I didn't take the time to do this, but I think I will uh, after uh, uh, Shabbat here, to see how many of those uh, letters he wrote to those congregations uh, had a word, an instruction about encouraging one another. I think I'm going to find that most of them did. Why? Because people are in need of encouragement. We also read in Acts 15:32 about Judas and Silas, and it says they were prophets themselves, and they said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. And then in 1 Thessalonians 3:2, Rav Shaul is speaking to the congregation at Thessalonica, and he says, we sent Timothy, who's our brother and fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Messiah to strengthen and to encourage you in your faith. So we need to be those who seek to refresh the spirits of those around us. So let's come alongside one another, speaking words that will help through difficult times, words that will build up and words that will encourage me. And the last thing that, as you read through the rest of this chapter, that you realize is that encouragement is focused on good news and on the Word of God. When Rav Shaul was asked by these leaders of the synagogue to speak a word of encouragement, what did he do? If you read through, he begins to go through the history and to speak the truth of the Scriptures to them and share the good news of Yeshua the Messiah. In part, his words were a little challenging to them. Because he talked to them about how, you know, the Jewish people at time did not embrace or accept what the prophet said and even the, the coming of Messiah. But those challenges were laced with hope and giving them a direction on how they could come closer to God and how they could, in fact, be born anew and have their names written in the book of life. You see, it's important that we don't confuse encouragement with just compliments or praise, although 
praise and compliment can be a part of encouragement. Sometimes in encouraging others, we may have to challenge them, but it's not done harshly or critically or to tear the person down. Uh, one of the Greek words used for encouragement is parakaleo, which we get paraclete from that, which we know if you've done any little word study in Greek, that that's a word used of the ruach hakodesh, the Holy Spirit. And again, at its base meaning is to actually come alongside someone. So if you're coming alongside someone, even if you have to give a challenging word, your purpose is to be a support and a strength to them, to help them in whatever difficult situation they find themselves in, to go forward and to get past that difficulty. So even though Rav Shaul was challenging them with the truth of God's word, its end goal was to build them up. He was there to be a strength and a support to them. I want to tell you there is power in the word of God. That's why we need to know the word not only for ourselves, but so we can encourage one another. We are told in the book of Messianic Jews that the word of God is what? Alive, active, powerful. So when you come to me and you're struggling with something, you know most of the time I'm going to give you a scripture. Why? Because the word of God is powerful and alive, and it's what we need to hear to encourage us in the situations that we're facing. Michelet, Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word fitly spoken and in due season is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I love it when God uses other people to encourage me. People who have no clue of what's going on in my life. And this has happened so many times. It happened at the beginning of this year. We received a note from Aviva Ackerman. Uh, she sent it over with Rabbi Asher and Trader to the rabbi's uh, uh, retreat down in Florida thinking we would be there. We weren't, so it was given to Marlene Rosenberg, who gave it to me at the women's retreat a month later. But a little note with a little heart, you know, glued onto it and just a little thing from her. Well, a week later, we got a letter from her brother, Ben Ackerman. And, uh, you know, we are not in contact with Aviva and Ben on a regular basis. Aviva, of course, is in Israel. <coughs> and uh, Ben is in Florida. But I want to tell you, both of these words of encouragement were words in due season. And Adonai put us on their heart, and they responded to him, and they wrote, you know, for Viva, it was just a short little note. Ben was a, a lengthy letter, and they wrote those things to us, and God used it to bring an encouragement to us. So we need to be sensitive to what, thank you, Pat, to what God would do through us to encourage others. Remember what the scripture says, there's the power of life and death in the tongue. So think about what your words are doing. Are they bringing life to the other person or are they bringing death? We want to be those who bring life to one another. And again, the best way to do that is to speak the word of God to one another. First Thessalonians 4.18 Rav Shaul again says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. We need to encourage one another within the body, and we need to encourage those who don't yet know Messiah. This is what Rav Shaul was doing. 
he was encouraging these people, these Jewish people in the synagogue, and as you read through the chapter, it went to the Gentiles as well, about the good news of Yeshua the Messiah. Now, not all received what Rav Shaul had to say. Not all turned to Adonai, but many did. We need to know we don't have control over what people will do with the words that we speak to them, but we do have control on whether we speak them or not. Amen? Friends, Yeshua is the hope. And he is the answer to life's problems. I know that seems so simple, but it is the truth. Everything is solved in the person of Yeshua, the Messiah. Amen? And the Bible is the most encouraging book in the world. So we need to focus on who Adonai is and what he says in his word and share it with others. So I want to encourage us. We need to look for opportunities to encourage others. Every day, there will be someone come into your life that you can speak a word of encouragement to. Make yourself available. When you wake up in the morning, ask Adonai, who can I encourage today? As you go to work, there's going to be someone that you encounter there that you could speak a word of encouragement to. So with that in mind, I want to give us some practical steps that we can take to be an encourager and then in close with a few steps to take to receive encouragement. So how can we be an encourager? Number one, build yourself up by being in the word and maintaining your relationship with Adonai. It is hard to encourage others when you yourself are not encouraged. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, Rav Shaul says, The God of all encouragement and comfort, who encourages us in all our trials so that we can encourage others in whatever trials they may be undergoing with the encouragement we ourselves have received from God. You cannot give what you do not have. Continue to pursue after God and build up your faith. I have been able to encourage other people, even though I've been in the midst of things going on in my life personally. Why? Because I maintain my relationship with God. I pursue after him. I'm in the word. So people can sometimes come to me and have no clue that I'm in the midst of my own struggle, and they need a word of encouragement, and I'm ready to give that word. Why? Because, again, I've maintained my relationship with God. And because I maintain that, I have received encouragement from him myself that I can now give it out to others. The second is to be a listener. Unfortunately, we are all good at talking, and sometimes we talk too much. The pianist Arthur Rubenstein once told this story on himself. He had got a bad case of hoarseness, and so the newspaper was full of all reports about smoking and cancer, so he decided to go to a throat specialist. And he says, I... I searched the doctor's face for a clue during the 30-minute examination, but it was expressionless, and he told me to come back the next day. He says, so I went home afraid. I didn't sleep that night. And the next day, there was another long examination, and again, there was silence. He says, I finally said to the doctor, tell me I can live with the truth. You know, uh, what's wrong with me? And the doctor said to him, you talk too much. And sometimes that's true. We just simply talk too much. In our Wednesday night study in the youth lesson, we were looking at the book of Yaakov, and we were encouraged from chapter 1 that every person be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to get angry. 
If you want to be an encourager, you need to be a listener. Okay? Slow to speak, but quick to listen. Another article I was reading said, on the fundamental level, encouragement is as simple as paying attention to actively focus to listen to another person. One's word to another person are likely to have little effect unless they come with full attention to that person's heart and soul. To attend, to tune in means to listen fully with my eyes, my posture, my full presence, and with my ears. He goes on to say that God not only gives us his word, but also lends us his ears. So if we want to be an encourager, we have to be a good listener. We were talking about this on Wednesday night. Often we're not a good listener because we are already thinking about what we want to say next. So have you ever found yourself in the conversation, the person's talking, and you're already formulating what you want to say, and you really miss half the things they say, and sometimes the answer you give doesn't even make sense, and the person looks at you like, what? Did you, you know, does that ever happen? Because, again, our mind's thinking about what we want to say. To be a good encourager, you have to take time to listen. And as that article said, that means to focus, to be attentive with your mind and your eyes and, and all of who you are. The third thing to be an encourager is to respond to problems with the hope of the Word of God. Let's face it, my opinion and your opinion is not going to bring hope uh, into any situation. Our opinions aren't worth a, you know whatever the saying is. My husband would laugh at me. He said, you always mess those things up. Our opinions are not worth anything. But God's word, like I said, is alive and powerful. So when someone shares a problem or difficulty, speak the word of God to them. And it doesn't have to be this, quote, religious thing, thus saith the Lord, you know. Or it doesn't have to be the Bible says, just in normal conversation, you can just share the truth of God's word. So when a co-worker comes to you this week, I'm going to tell you they're going to come because God's going to give you an opportunity to apply this word. You don't have to say the Bible says you, you just need to speak the truth of God's word to them in a natural tone and just sharing the principles because the principles of God work. We have a marvel about this. Sometimes we uh, uh, have read different articles and uh, studied different business models and, and a lot of businesses who succeed apply biblical principles. Even though they don't list the verses where those principles are found, when you read them, they're actually biblical principles. So again, for us, in seeking to speak the Word of God, it doesn't have to be this, you know, super spiritual thing that makes people look at us like, you know, where are you from? Because remember, God's Word is powerful and alive, even if you don't say the Bible says. And it will produce good things in the life of the person you're speaking in. So to be a good encourager, the fourth thing is we need to avoid being critical and negative. If someone is sharing a struggle with you, the last thing they need is for you to be critical. Sometimes we can take it as an opportunity to point out everything the per person is doing wrong, and in the end, our response tears them down instead of building them up. We are told in the scripture to speak the truth in love. So sometimes it might have to be a challenging word that we give, but when we truly love someone, any words that we speak to encourage them, even if they're challenged, they are going to be because we want the best for them. We want them to go forward in life and in that situation. 
So don't be one who says, ah, this is my opportunity to let them know that, you know, if they got their life straight and took care of this, that, and the other, they wouldn't be facing this problem. Not going to help. Not going to help. So don't be critical or negative about them. You know, Rabbi Michael is often encouraging me, and sometimes his encouragement is a challenge to me. But I have to step back because, say, I know he loves me, and he wants the best in my life so that I can receive that encouragement. And we'll talk about receiving in a couple of minutes. The fifth principle to be a good encourager is to avoid participating in gossip. Many times people can come to us at work or in the congregation to share something that is, quote, troubling them. But really what they want to do is to gossip about another person. One article that I was reading, again, I was reading several articles, said that gossip is poison, and it brings harm to everyone including, involved, including those doing the gossip. So remember, nothing can come into your life that you don't first have belief in. So by giving credence to anything negative, you are also laying the foundation for it in your own life. We know the many, many scriptures about avoiding gossip. So don't take it as an opportunity to, to gossip. We've said this so many times, you know, don't have garbage pan ears. If someone comes to you about a co-worker and wants to complain, what should your response be? You know, Myrna, I, I appreciate that you have a concern there, but really you need to go talk to Gary about it because the problem is with him. I don't need to, to hear that. Be, but most of the time we just... Sit there and listen. Oh, yeah, tell me what's bothering you, what's troubling you. And then, then we just receive all of that, and then it impacts us. That's not going to help us to be an encourager. The sixth thing is simply be there. We call it the ministry of presence. Sometimes just knowing that someone else is there for you in the midst of a difficult situation brings such comfort and encouragement. Growing up, I had a very close relationship with my grandmother on my father's side. In fact, I once asked my parents, could I go live with her? Uh, not that I didn't love my parents, but I had a really close relationship. Thank God my mom said no, and um, uh, she knew what she was talking about. Um, but I had a very close relationship, and we spent many uh, weeks in the summer up visiting her. And my sisters and I especially would uh, stay there for weeks on end, and... Um, you know, what all sort of life's troubles could I have as a, you know, a 12-year-old? But whatever my problems were, I can remember just going and sitting down by my grandmother, not saying a word, and she didn't speak anything either. But there was just comfort and strength, just being in her presence. And that's what we can do sometimes. To be an encourager sometimes just means you come along and just sit by someone. And you're just there for them. You don't have to speak. Again, be slow to speak. Just being there, that ministry of presence. And then the seventh thing, again, to be a good encourager, and these are seven things that we could do. Commit to praying for the person in the situation. Don't just say, I'll pray. Truly intercede on behalf of your coworker or your family member or your neighbor and the life crisis that they just shared with you. Rob Shaul often spoke of the way he prayed for other people. In Romans 1.9, he says, I regularly remember you in my prayers. In fact, almost every letter that he wrote starts out with the reminder, I have been praying for you. I am keeping you in my prayers. So to be a good encourager, that's one of the best things we can do is say, I'm going to pray. And then actually go 
and pray for people. So I just want to close. So those are seven steps that we can take to uh, encourage uh, people. Now I want to look at four things we can do to receive encouragement. The first thing is to ask. Sometimes we don't let people know that we are struggling. We just try to tough it out on our own. But asking is a part of being a community. We are called, the scriptures say, to bear one another's burden. But it's hard to bear your burden if I don't know it. And now, I know that you think the rabbis are so spiritual that by we should just automatically like get this spiritual wave coming in that says, oh, this person is in crisis. But it doesn't happen that way. And, or your neighbor, again, we have to ask. We have to say, I'm struggling with something now. You know, my husband and I have told people, you know, in this day and age, send me a text. You know, and, and I'll know to pray, especially sometimes you're at work. You know, and Luchui actually did that last week. Rabbi Carol, pray for me. You know, it's a really tough day at work. And I just begin to pray. So we can do that. She didn't have to go into a long explanation. I still don't even know what happened. All I know is I began to pray because she sent me that text. So ask if you need someone to come alongside and to encourage you. The second thing is don't focus on the situation, but focus on the solution. Think about it in Shemot when Moshe came to encourage the children of Israel that their time of deliverance had come. God sent him, and they were about to see some pretty miraculous things, but they couldn't receive the encouragement. Look what it says in Shemot, Exodus 6, 9. Moshe said this to the people of Israel, but they wouldn't listen to him because they were so discouraged because their slavery was so cruel. Moshe had the solution. He was sent there by God. They were going to experience something awesome, And he spoke these words to encourage them, but they couldn't take their eyes off what they saw with their natural eyes. All they could see was slavery. We've been here for over 400 years, and nothing is going to change. So I want to encourage you, if you want to be able to receive encouragement, take your eyes off the situation and focus on the solution, which is Yeshua and the Word of God. The third thing is don't be defensive. Trust that the person speaking to you really loves you and has your best interest in mind. It's never easy to receive encouragement when part of it is a challenge to something that we might be thinking or doing. As I said, I know Rabbi Michael loves me, but let me tell you, when he encourages and challenges me, my first response is not always to receive it. You know, sometimes, you know, my... uh, the skin begins to, uh, you know, tighten up and uh, the feathers get a little ruffled and I'm ready to go at it with him. But I have to take a step back and say, okay, why would my husband be telling me this? Because, again, he wants the best for me. He loves me. He wants me to succeed. He wants me to be everything that I can be in Messiah. So we need to be those who don't get defensive as people seek to encourage us. Michelet speaks a lot about receiving instruction and counsel and encouragement. Verse uh, 20 of chapter 19, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. And then in chapter 13, verse 10, pride only leads to arguments, but those who take advice are wise. So sometimes I'm not able to receive the encouragement because I have pride in my heart. And so my husband comes to me or someone else that pride wants to rise up and, and, you know, retaliate against the person in defense. But receive the encouragement and listen to what God is speaking through the other person. And that leads me to the last point of how to receive encouragement. 
receive the hope being offered to you. In our text, many of these people responded to Rav Shaul's message, and they were born anew. How awesome. They heard his word. Yes, there were some challenging things in there about their sin and about things that they, they needed to repent and turn away from, but they listened to that, and they did what he said, and their names were written in the book of life. They were born anew. So we need to understand that we c- can receive the hope that's being offered to us. And what was the result as you read through the book, the, the chapter 13 of Acts, and to the, one of the last verses there, it says, the Talmudim were filled with joy and with the Ruach HaKodesh. So when we give and we receive encouragement from one another, the fruit is evident. There will be joy and there will be peace in our lives as we go forward, you know, running the race that God has set before us. So let's stand as we close in prayer here this morning. And just to encourage you, be an encourager and be willing to receive encouragement when you're going through difficult times yourself. So we just want to thank you, Father and I, for your word this morning. We thank you that you are the best encourager and you have given us your word and you have given us one another to come alongside and to be a support and a strength and encouragement to each other. So God, I ask you to help us in this week ahead uh, to, to live out the truth that you have spoken to us today. God, that we uh, would not put it on the shelf, but we would look for the opportunities that you're going to bring our way this week to be encouragers. And Lord, for those who are going through difficult times, God, I pray that they would allow themselves to be encouraged, that they would receive uh, words of uh, instruction and counsel from, from others. We just thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. At this time, I want to ask uh, Myrna and Gary and Evan to join me. Uh, We want to provide an opportunity for ministry here. Uh, uh, Jim will put a CD on, and uh, we're going to take time to pray. If you have anything that you want prayer over, whether it's related to the message or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, We just want to come into agreement. There's power in prayer. And uh, after we uh, pray for those who need prayer this morning, I'm going to come back and we'll officially close uh, with the ironic benediction. So, uh, Jim, you can put that CD on. And again, if you have any needs you'd like us to pray for, we just invite you to come forward now and uh, we will be here to pray and agree with you for God to move and intervene in your situation. <laughs>